0: Welcome, welcome back to another episode of Raw Before Christ. Last week we covered emotions another time with Shailen and Taylor. And this week we're going to be covering depression and the church. And I have with me Sierra Whalen as a guest speaker. And I also have my girl Shailen Willis again.
1: I'm back. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And so, we want to start with a word of prayer. Last time I asked Shailen to to begin. Mm -hmm. I'll start this time. So, eternal God, we thank you for this opportunity to just be able to come before your presence once more, to be raw, to be real with our emotions, with our thoughts, with our feelings, God, with everything. To just lay everything out on the table so that we can help those around us who are struggling with the same things that we've struggled through and are still struggling through, God. I just pray that you will have your way in this this um, session, God, as we continue to just venture on in the topics that you want us to cover. And so, God, I leave everything into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, the question that I feel like it's best to start off with is... Is it okay to be depressed as a Christian? I mean, for me in the past, whenever I felt depressed, it would feel as though I was committing a sin. Mostly because no one really spoke about depression, no one really addressed it, and so it felt like something foreign, it felt like I was committing something wrong, something sinful before God. And especially in my upbringing i just felt like it i wasn't allowed to be depressed because i wasn't paying bills or putting food on the table and it kind of felt like paying bills and putting food on the table was like a prerequisite to depression and i remember in 2018 when i moved here i was struggling with my own state of depression and i just felt like i couldn't talk to anyone i felt like I couldn't talk to my mom or just anyone for that matter because depression just it's just something that we're not used to talking about and so (laughs) while I was battling with my depression I fell into suicidal thoughts and I was I was going through it and I was in a stage of my life or a season of my life where I felt as though God forgot about me and I Mm was waiting for him to come through for me and when I didn't see those things happening that's when I just fell in depression because I felt like God forgot about me and so I kept thinking that I had no purpose and I felt like I was a burden to my parents Mm -hmm. and I felt to myself because of those thoughts and that being in that depressive state I felt like if i would remove myself from this equation just you know kind of kill myself and just get it over with i they my parents my family they wouldn't have anything to worry about especially financially because i felt like i became a burden to them Mm. and i remember this specific night it's kind of a testimony of just god's gracefulness over my life in general Mm. but I remember this night my I was my mom doesn't know this so when she hears this she's going to be like oh I didn't know that you were going through this mm. but um that specific night I I was contemplating killing myself I didn't know how I was going to do it but I knew it's what I wanted to do because I felt like I had no purpose I felt like mm. I I was just so burdened like why am I here I don't have a purpose and i feel like the holy spirit specifically sent my mom to me that night because mm, it was <laughs> it was in that moment that i realized she started telling me a story of just how everything came to being and um she was telling the story of how you know when she got pregnant with me no one really knew she was pregnant and so doctors were treating her as if you know she was anemic or stuff and giving her pills and all those stuff that would eventually affect the pregnancy and it wasn't until months later that they found out that oh you're pregnant <laughs> and so like her my her pregnancy with me was the most challenging because one it wasn't planned and it was causing a lot of complications and I was supposed to be born as a premature baby but my lungs were too weak wow. at 7 months and wow. so um, this doctor gave my mom injections and stuff to kinda like prolong the birth until nine months. And my mom said when it came to that nine month period and it was time for her to have me and she was in labor pain for hours upon hours, mm. she was just ready for things to just mm, be over yeah. with. And she said to me, In that moment, in my depressive state, she's telling me all the all mm-hmm. this that I've never heard before. Oh my God. And she looked at me and she said, I remember going out on that hospital veranda and I held out my hands to God and I said, God, I can't take this anymore. If you are going to use this girl, take her into this world. But if not, just kill her because I can't take the pain that I'm going Mm. through anymore. And in that moment, my mom sharing that story made me realize that I have purpose and it was just... A turning point in my life that if God didn't send my mom in that room that night that imagine where I would be right now yeah. I probably wouldn't be here because I was battling depression yeah. and suicidal thoughts wow. and because she stepped in by the leading of God and just started telling me this story made me realize that I have purpose and it may not be the same for everyone out there because not everyone has the same story and sometimes we have you know people are locked up in their rooms and they're suffering in silence and they don't have anyone to step in at that point but it's why God wants us to do things like this and have platforms like this where we can talk about depression and someone can realize that there are people who go through this and this is my this is my breakthrough this is I can take this and hear someone else's journey and realize that I have purpose and I can step out of that depres- depressive state. And yeah. so I just kind of want to turn this over to Sierra because um, you've been someone that you've openly um, expressed that you've been through your own depressive journey and stuff. And I, I don't know, yeah. but I feel like there are people out there who would like to hear like how this journey has been for you and how you've overcome um, being in
1: that, and how it is right now? Yeah, well, um, you know, starting from the, like, the beginning, like, first of all, powerful testimony from you, like, first of all, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that, and Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, that's amazing, just the way that God was able to intervene in that moment and send your mom, and, like, that's, that's something that not enough people know about, that our God is a God who intervenes, that our God doesn't, like, he's, Sometimes like God is the eleven fifty nine God, and we're waiting, 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 and it's in that final moment that He comes, so praise God that you're still here first of all amen <laughs> and um, for me, like my depression like probably started before I set my marker for it, like symptomatically, mm-hmm. but when I knew I was depressed, I remember sitting I was in sixth grade just fresh into sixth grade and had to take the basic health class you know that every sixth grader has to uncomfortably sit there as we <laughs> talk about those words and you're like oh <laughs> and um the teacher goes he's like describing what depression is like and it's, it's this word that I've never heard before and he starts describing like the aspects and the drain and the emotion and how you feel like you can't reach out and he starts describing these different things and I just remember it clicked and I was like oh my gosh there's a word for the feelings that I'm feeling mm-hmm. and so like that's the first thing like there's no depress like age limit for depression mm-hmm. depression doesn't say oh you're four i'll leave you be like you know <laughs> depression says i'm gonna come into your life when something happens when something trauma goes down or something like that yeah. like when there's this click sometimes it's something doesn't even happen sometimes it's hormonal for me it was um god had ultimately like i was so dependent on a, dependent on people in my childhood to be happy and um that came from a place of like I would say of loving parents who would die for me, but they were going through a lot, especially when I was a kid. And um, in that, I felt like I had to grow up really fast emotionally to be my own emotional parent. And in that, um, trying to take on that role for myself because I would witness what they were going through, what they were struggling with in their marriage together, and I would look at myself and I'd be like, I can't do that for them. And quickly I realized that they weren't going to be a place where I could go to emotionally Mm. um, in order to process through complicated thoughts without receiving adult reactions rather than a reaction a child should receive Mm -hmm. um, in processing those thoughts. Instead, my depression was labeled as being moody and as being ungrateful. It was labeled as being um, never having enough because as a child, you don't know that like you're crying when you leave your friend's house because you can't stand to go back to your original environment. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, and so you become your own processor. And so that's where it really began and then, you know, fast-forwarding throughout my life, it was, like, each year it went on, it just got, like, the the next year was worse than the last. Like, it was just year after year, like, just waiting. And, you know, it wasn't something where it's just, like, you know, like, oh, I forsake you, God, blah, blah, blah. I, I did that. I actually did that for the first two years. I went through the whole, like, I told God, I was, like, I hate you, like, if you, if this is what my God does to his kids, and he Mm -hmm. removes everyone from their life, they had a support system, all my best friends moved away, um, like, at that time, and they were what I relied on for my happiness, because I couldn't rely on my parents, and um, God took them all away, and I remember it was just, like, this moment of, like, if this is what you do to make, to guard me, to love me, then I don't want it, and Mm -hmm. so I decided to walk on my life next two years no God. I was like, I'm going to take control of this. And that went horribly. And my saving grace ended up being youth camp. I did attend church, but it was only for friends, but we ended up going to youth camp. And I remember I just, I just didn't want to be at home. I just wanted people. And it was there that I rededicated my life to God. And for the first time in my life, I fully gave my heart over to Jesus because I saw in that chapels, in those chapel services, lives being changed. Mm. And I wanted that. I yearned for that like desperately and it was that moment that it wasn't it wasn't that it was over it wasn't like you know oh I gave my heart to Jesus and everything's great now you know like it was it's about to get a lot harder because mm-hmm. now that you did this thing to show commitment to me the devil's going to come into this situation and do everything he possibly can to separate that yeah. and I kept on walking throughout life and again year after year it got worse and worse harder and harder. Um, I had to rebuild my friend group, and at that same time, like, I would tell them everything and nothing. I would spend all my days, like, I would say if we, like, jumped throughout the middle school years, like, that was just, you know, I can't remember, like, half of my school journey just from trauma, like, and when I look back, my friends would be like, oh, do you remember, like, when this happened and when that happened? I'll just kind of have to sit there because I don't want to tell them that my depression stole a lot of my childhood from me, Mm. and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I love that time <laughs> that we did the thing with the with, with the thing the, with the, the Bob. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and because um, nobody wants to spend all that time to be like, no, I was depressed. <laughs> like what? <laughs> so um, yeah, middle school. I can't really remember a good amount. I just know it was bad. And then high school was when it all really went to heck. And um, I remember I heard one time in a youth group, and I, this struck me so originally in that the pastor had said. Satan has made his kingdom in the high schools. Satan has made his kingdom in the schools because mm-hmm. that is where the mind is made to grow mm-hmm. and if you plant that seed in unfruitful ground it will grow unfruitful fruit mm-hmm. and it will it will grow that's in good. death, you know, <laughs> like. And so the Satan Satan attacks those places because that's when we're young. That's when we're vulnerable. That's when we don't have foundations and that's definitely where he planted himself for me, and school ended up being the bane of my life. I remember getting on that bus every day, and um, we called it hell. Like, we were like, we're going to hell today. <laughs> like, that's literally just what it was, and it wasn't a joke either. Like, we said in a joking manner, but, you know, that was my coping personally. It was humor. I, every day I would make jokes about, you know, going up to the fourth floor and jumping, I would make jokes about, like, cutting myself. I would make jokes all while behind closed doors. Those are things that I'm serious about, mm. you know. I would talk to my friends about like you know just all all these things that I was going through but it was always just one big joke because if I could just make it like humor if I could just make it light it would be a little bit easier it would just be that much more like maybe it's that less real and um I got to the point where in high school I wrote I lived off of sleep deprivation, like absolutely lived because psych- psychology um, studies have found that sleep deprivation is the equivalent of being drunk or tipsy. Yeah. So I essentially found, um, without knowing, a numbing capability um, for the, th- the strong emotions I was feeling because. When, you know, I was sleep-deprived, everything felt so much less real. It felt so much more numb. Mm -hmm. I was able to laugh at things randomly, Mm -hmm. and it was just like that, and that, you know, ultimately, now that I'm in college, has led to a migraine disorder from years of sleep deprivation, so don't do that. (laughs) Um, But it was like throughout this time that I'm just watching my life fall apart. I'm watching myself fall apart. At this point in time, I'm struggling with mild OCD in a severe way. I'm struggling with um, ADHD. I'm struggling with a severe depression. I wake up every single day, um, and the first thought in my mind is I want to kill myself. And by the and I go out through that the entire day joking, joke, making jokes about I want to kill myself. And then I go to bed thinking about if only I could kill myself. And the one thought that would keep me from doing so is because of you know this whole journey started with being the empath for my parents is I was like I want to do it so bad but I can't imagine what they would feel but even that over time disappeared even that over time was just I just wanted to die and that was it was an all-consuming thought at all hours of the day there wasn't a moment like I you would see I was the happy friend too that's another thing is depression isn't Isn't oh, the gloomy, like the kid in the movies who's suddenly wearing all black and all the signs are there. I was the kid who not a sign was there. I was the kid that, you know, you thought I was joking when I made those jokes. I was the kid that would go home, I would turn on the TV and I would stare at it for hours because that was my coping and I would just zero in on something for hours. Meanwhile, in my mind, there was a storm raging and all I could think about was death Mm -hmm. and how there was no way out of this pit that I'd gotten myself into and you know yeah, as a christian you know sometimes when we're in a christian environment we just i would go to church i i'm entangling church i'm entangling yeah. youth camp and you get people <laughs> almost every time that they're like you know i just felt the lord leading me to pray for you and they come over and they're like so what's going on and you're like well this is like at this point i'm like this is my seventh year of depression um yeah, I don't know. At that point, I had no hope because every single time that one of these prayers were prayed, they would pray with the gusto of God, and they'd be like, <laughs> do you feel any different? And I'd be like, yeah, sure. that, was, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Woo! Yeah. Spirit lead me. <laughs> All right, please walk away. Because <laughs> like, I'm still so sad inside. Like. Mm. And in the, in the Christian environment, there's almost this pressure on depression to go away. Yeah. Where sometimes we don't just step back and recognize that maybe God's taking someone through a process. And instead of being the end to the process, we need to be the endurance for the process for that person. Mm-hmm. We need to, instead of being the person who says, this has to end today, which we should pray those prayers. I'm not saying we shouldn't. Every time we meet a person who's depressed, we should pray those prayers. But when we don't see an immediate victory, we don't go, oh, okay, God, you know, we'll keep praying. God, God has had it. We should say, all right, but you do have to know that that's not God's plan for for your life. Mm-hmm. And you do have to know that every time that you're having a bad day, yeah. you have to call me. Yeah. That every time that you're struggling, you have to know that there's somebody alive on this earth who wants you alive on this earth. Yeah, we yeah. have to look at depression as this thing to, to bolster each other up, to be pillars for each other, where sometimes people are called to endure mm-hmm. rather than to end for a season. And that's what I was for eight years of my life. Um... And, you know, it did ultimately lead to a suicide attempt, and, uh, you know, the the reason I'm such a big advocate for looking out for people who have depression in the church and maintaining relationship with them through their trial is I actually made my suicide attempt at youth camp, mm. and I tried to drown myself, and, um, mm. you know, trigger warning here if you want to skip ahead, <laughs> you know, like a <laughs> minute or anything, but... Um, I To be completely honest, you know, I'll just say what I did. I I grab, I was out in the deepest end I could be. It was about 12 feet deep. Um, it was in a lake, and there were these giant boulders in the bottom because it was a lake, and I would just kept grabbing them, and I would, like, swim all the way down and hold on to it and just hold it because my natural body would try and kick and, like, come back up. And I remember I kept doing it and doing it and doing it, and I kept started to, like, choking up water when I would reach the surface again and I would just not give myself time to breathe sometimes I would hold my breath when I went back up and um, I remember I heard a friend out of nowhere we were signed up for tubing (laughs) out of nowhere they're like come like the the tubes here and I get out of the water and I'm like coughing like my lungs are like Mm -hmm. convulsing up water and you know I'm off to the side so nobody's seeing any of this but it's in a public setting Mm -hmm. and um, I think that bothered me for a long time as well but you know When we got up there, the the tube wasn't even there. Mm -hmm. It was probably another 5 to 10 minutes. But that 5 to 10 minutes could have been the 5 to 10 minutes, or was, honestly, the 5 to 10 minutes that saved my life. And um, God had a different plan for me, and it was actually, you know, I'll say that in a minute, but um, so I, I went through it. I remember walking away, you know, from each youth camp, thinking convincing myself that's another thing when it comes to christian depression you convince yourself maybe this is just how god intends me to live like this is just god's purpose on my life is for me to just struggle and he'll use that struggle for other people and um that's and I, he he did he did use that struggle and I remember going to youth camp and I would pray over people and I would watch them get freed because I knew how to pray over them mm-hmm. for their depression and I would watch people the chains break and the chains fall and God would use me in miraculous ways where I was inadequate in my darkest hour. Mm-hmm. However, I it was so hard to endure that to for eight years all you seek is freedom and time and time again you watch somebody else somebody else somebody else the chains falling you hear them falling but they're not yours wow. and um it was it was rough but at the same time one thing I never lost was the goodness of God like one thing I never lost was that I always felt God as my best friend and um I know that God is real because that defies everything of the relationship I should have had considering what I was going through um I should have been somebody who completely despised the Lord and instead he became my best friend through every hour and because of that I'm alive today. If it weren't for God's voice throughout those those moments where I was severely depressed, suicidal and really about to do it those, those days like knowing that I was loved by at least him if not anybody else even when it was hard to believe you know in the back of your head um, that's what got me through but you know like there's so much more I could say, but that would be a whole book on, you know, just being depressed. <laughs> but coming yeah. to the good part, after eight years of depression, it was my senior year of high school. Um, quick overview, I got, or sev- er, junior year, my bad. I got severely bullied my, my junior year out of nowhere um, for two kids just targeted my hygiene. I had We have like a 1,300 person school, and so it went around the whole school. I had strangers whispering about me behind my back. At this time, on I'm on 70 milligrams of Vyvanse and 30 milligrams of Adderall, which are medications for ADHD. Um, nobody listened to me when I originally had said, I don't want to take the medication because I feel like I'll get addicted. And then they nobody questioned it when I kept needing to up my dosage, mm-hmm. even though I really did not need to. And, um, because they kept saying, you know, it's not addictive, blah, blah, blah. You can get addicted to anything. If you get addicted to buying (laughs) books, you can get addicted to medication. (laughs) And, um, and I was on 70 megs of that, 30 megs of that. And at that time, like it would cause me to like shake really bad, sweat really bad. Um, it gave me severe paranoia and I already had paranoia from the amount of like, just mental warfare from these people like i had pictures taken about of me behind my back and then all at the same time i'm getting accidentally gaslighted by my friends because when i would talk to them i heard so and so say this and this is happening they'd be like don't overthink it like i just think you know you're so like i was the person who never had a problem with anybody so they were like you know i don't think they don't like you i don't you know like blah 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 they were trying to talk me off the ledge meanwhile i was suffering inside because now I'm feeling insane and crazy I'm depressed mm. suicidal over medicated and um I struggling with OCD which I would spend hours in the mirror picking out my face um picking out like my skin until I, it was just covered in scars and blood like it was just this obsessive compulsive and I wouldn't have like dark flashes of like horrible things happening it was just everything was coming on me at once and it wasn't until the last day of school I got cornered in the girls bathroom by our chorus room by these two boys that I was like this is real and my dad had to come into the school and take me out and I remember locking myself in the bathroom after that and just was like I just need to go to the bathroom and I just sat on that toilet and I fell asleep because that was our finals week and for that whole week I hadn't eaten slept or drank anything for five days mm-hmm. and uh, my tongue had turned white from malnutrition I had a thigh gap which my body type as an ethnic um curvy woman is not not healthy (laughs) and um it was just like everything was happening at once and then after that I was like I cannot go back for my senior year I can't and I didn't and instead we went um to an online school called VLAX that many homeschoolers have done and um it ended up being horrible for me I ended up getting to the point where I could not go to the login screen without having a mental breakdown that would derail the rest of my day Mm. I would I don't even know what was happening psychologically at that point, but I would just was at a break, and just the login screen would cause me to disassociate from my environment until the next day, and um, and then it was after that we got off of that, and my parents moved me to a Christian book program, and that was better than online, and I was like, okay, things are great, you know, this is slightly better, you know, I'm it's a Christian book, this is nice, I'm learning about God, like things were starting to look up. And my Nana gets diagnosed with brain tumor, and she was my best friend in life, like my best friend. And I remember I didn't even call her my best friend until after she passed because Nana was such beyond, <laughs> beyond what I could describe for her. And, um, I spent the next, um, about year watching her die, and my whole family was gathered around her bedside, um, telling her that it was okay for her to go home on her final night. And I remember just thinking so selfishly, I couldn't even speak, because all I wanted to say was, stay, hold on, um, one moment longer. And it was like, at that time, when she died, I was like, what am I here for God? Like, Mm -hmm. what is the point? Like, what is, like, there was just no meaning to life. I did not live for months after that. I really didn't. Um, She passed away March 18th. And um, for months after that until June, like I just spent my days watching TV, would not talk to anybody, stop smiling, stop singing. I was like a shell of a person at that point. And it wasn't until that summer youth camp, um, at youth camp, I was standing in the crowd and um, I began to shake my whole body. Oh, I forgot to mention a few, like a month before this, God had given me a vision. And um, it was like me on the pavement, and the skies open up, there were storm clouds, and the ground turned into valleys. And instantly I heard God's voice, you're going to get freed from your depression, it's never coming back. And my first reaction was, oh, praise God, oh, It was <laughs> God don't promise me that. Because mm-hmm. I could not take another false hope. Yeah. That would be the real end of me. And fast forward a month, I'm at another camp, and... Um, I'm shaking in service, like, my whole body. I've never, like, in the eight years of my depression, not that many people have come up to me to ask me if I'm okay. Like, mm. in one night, more than eight years, people came up to genuinely ask, like, are you good? I was shaking, and I remember a leader came up with, like, do you want to sit down? I was like, no, God's doing something, like, in my teary voice. And I shook, and I shook, and I knew what was happening. I knew God was freeing from, freeing me from my depression. Mm. And I've never had such a physical... <laughs> like encounter or like just my body being rattled and another leader took me off to the side and was like can I pray for you I was like yes she starts declaring that my depression is going and it's mm. never come back and I never spoke that to her I start crying so much that it physically hurts to breathe yeah. because it was so deep the gasps I was taking and I remember I got freed in one night what had battled my entire life mm. and I remember going up to that cafeteria that night and just sitting there and staring, like, just, like, I didn't know who I was. Mm -hmm. My entire identity was my depression, Mm -hmm. and it was, like, suddenly that's gone, and that's something we don't talk about with freedom is, like, okay, you're free. That's that's the whole goal, to be free, to be set free by Jesus Christ. That's why I'm a Christian, but now what? If your whole life is a cage, Mm -hmm. you're not going to know how to run. You're not gonna know what the grass feels like. You're gonna be afraid of the wind in the trees, if your whole life is captivity. Freedom is horrifying, yeah. Because the whole life, your whole life, the one thing you've ever known has been your greatest bane of your life, but that's your only comfort. And um, I then got like I felt myself starting to fall back into it a little bit. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know why I was alive still, or why God freed me. And then I, you know, I knew I was called to North Point. And I remember messaging Dean Munley, like, a week before registration day was supposed to happen. And I was like, I just sent an email where I was, like, shaking the entire time writing it. I knew God wanted me to write it. I wasn't going to. And God woke me up one day and was like, you need to write that email right now. And I emailed him, and I was like, I can't keep beating the same dead horse. I haven't graduated high school. I'm not doing good. I, I can't do life like this anymore. I just, the only thing I know is that I'm called. And if there's any way possible, Please. Three days later he tells me that I need to show up on campus the next day wow. and I show up and it's a battle Bible college is a battle in itself but we have our first, my first prayer and fasting and it was um, a student council led prayer and fasting mm. and that day I get slain in the spirit not once but twice and first time um I remember being at that altar and I didn't know, like, I was like, God, like, I really just, like, don't know what you want from me. I don't know, like, I feel like the depression's still kind of here or coming back, but I know I'm freed, God. How do I grapple with this? And um, this girl, Tori, <laughs> who came over for a second time, she had already prayed for me. she's like, I know I just prayed for you, but I just hear God saying, you need to forgive yourself. Mm. I broke. Like, that. I just broke down. I was like, God, that's the one thing I can't do because I blamed myself mm. for those eight years. I was like, if only I had just surrendered this to you so much earlier, I could have been in such a different place. And he just called me for forgiveness. And I was like, and it finally, like, it reached this point where a professor had come over to pray for me and she was saying the exact things I, that God was speaking to me. And finally I was like, okay, God, if you want this so bad, I need you. I need your help. I can't do this. And instantly I go down in the spirit. I hit the floor and God speaks to me and he's like one foot out the door and then I keep praying I keep waiting and he says get up and normally God's very like oh you know like my, my love you know my daughter but he was so stern with me and I was like what this is the only the second time in my life I've been saying the Holy Spirit and you want me to what and so yeah. I was like okay I get up as soon as I get up two people come over to pray for me and in a matter of seconds I go down again and he said both feet out of the door And I began laughing for the first time in my life, joy that I never knew was possible to feel in my life. And for the next hour, I just started laughing and laughing. And I couldn't stop, and I don't think anybody could have stopped me. And it was from that moment on, that's been about like two and a half to three years ago now Mm. from that moment. And since then, God has had to teach me how to live. You see, when God freed me from my depression the first time, He opened the door. I had to choose to walk through it when He slain me in the spirit those two times. You know, I had to choose to want that freedom, to want that life, to desire that life. And once I chose that, it was a long process of unlearning destructive patterns that have ruled my life since the moment I could walk. Mm -hmm. You know, it was this long process of God being like, this can't stand anymore. And He started, when I got freed, He started bringing me back the battles I had previously lost, so that way I could conquer them for the first time. Wow. Like, he had started to rechange my life, and now I'm in this season where I went from somebody who wanted to die every single day of my life, to somebody who wouldn't trade her life for anything, oh. because God gave it to me, mm-hmm. because it's the greatest possession I have. And every day I see the goodness of God. Every single day I see the beauty of God. And I'm an advocate for it's not perfect. Yeah. But that's what makes it beautiful. That's what reminds me what I was brought from. And I'm the season of God has been answering prayers like crazy. God has been sending people whenever I'm down. He's been opening up doors like I didn't know were possible to open. He's been reframing my mindsets on things that I, I had learned um, from my parents, from, from past trauma, from friends, from depression. And he's taken that, and he has really called me to die to myself. Mm. But in that rebirth me as a new person, that I, if I stood before myself even just a semester ago, I don't think I would recognize the person who's here today. Wow. All because of the glory of God.